Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to a new episode, not <laughs> called Yevin's Takes, but we decided to do a name change after some constructive criticism from people. We kind of threw it around. We said, you know, the Yevin's Steaks, it sounds like you're, you're selling steaks. Is well, it Yevin's Steaks? No, I mean, it's Yevin's Takes. Is, is it medium rare? What, you know, what are, what are you trying to... I'm you're trying to get meat my... now. Well, you know how much I like meat. I like the steak. I like the good old porterhouse. Give me a nice fancy steak and frites, and then we'd be good to go. So, what is it called now? Well, as of today, you know, we, we, were, we were like kind of like going around with like, is it Yevonation? Is it a state of Yevonation? Is it stream of Yevon? The art of Yevonisms. Almost like a, I feel like it's a, uh, Almost like a something that you can see from Curb Your Enthusiasm, like you got the Larry Davidisms or the. Well, well, well the, what I liked about the stream of Yevon is that this show streams in our consciousness. It goes on and on with real no direction, and the fact that you're streaming it to the airwaves to the millions of people that are listening to it right now—that's two. I know we had this conversation <laughs> when I was napping, and then you gave me that idea, but. I, I think you're going to like this name. I think we're going to like it a lot. What do you got? What do you got? Well, there's a little bit of an inside joke in college. As you may know, my favorite song is Stay Right to Heaven. I didn't know that. Really? Well, now you know. <laughs> As you might have known like 12 years ago. But anyway, it the new show is called Stay Right to Yevin. Stay Right to, to Yevin. That's... I like that. Now, I, I would pick up my guitar right now and play a few notes, but Jimmy Page would sue my ass in a minute. Don't forget about Robert Plant, too. He's probably got his ways of his uh, remember laughter. Even though they, they may have borrowed from Spirit, although that was thrown out in court, there's no doubt that um, Zoso would be all over us in a second if I played those four notes, which you know I'm dying to pick up my guitar and just kind of get into it. Well, you know what? Maybe I should just grab a camera so that yeah. way you do play those first four four notes, and that way yeah. you won't get in trouble. Well, well, think of it this way. This that, this actually ties into to the, one of the first things we're going to talk about today. Stay away to, to heaven. heaven. You know, yesterday we, we found out that one of my favorite bands, the Rolling Stones, yes. as, as we all know, a, a big, big... I guess, influence from, from days of three on. They were like the first band to kind of start the whole, like the whole rock and roll vibe, kind of like get everything, like the stepping stones for other bands to join in. Well, the whole thing is there was, there was this whole made up, uh, I guess, fight between them and the Beatles. Like the Beatles were the good clean cut guys and the Stones were the bad boys, the dangerous guys. But in fact... That was all fabricated by the press, and they were good friends. And and as we know, the Beatles may have imbibed in many different um, psychedelic uh, drugs adventures, as well. Adventures, adventures, which led to great musical endings. So, but nonetheless, we found out that my good friend Charlie, who looks like my grandfather Charlie, died at the young age of eighty years old. Ooh, yeah. Did that's... you hear that he was eighty? Is eighty is like the new. Uh... 80s like the new like 64 in my opinion. It's like mm-hmm. 80s like kind of considered young now. I know, yeah. I know you're, I know what you're thinking about all that other stuff. Since you're approaching <laughs> s- 60 in a few years or so, that you're like, oh man, I'm on towards the back end of oldness. So. Well, 60 is the new 37. So I, I walk into that with a with a beautiful Benjamin Button-esque uh, optimism. All right, Brad, Pitt, hang in there, hang in there. But it's, this is more than anything. You kind of go, okay, people that I grew up with and listened to their music my whole life are now dropping dead. 
Well, considering <laughs> between like last year and this year, it seems like it's been going a little bit of an alarming rate. Yeah, but if you think about it, all those bands that were out in the 60s and the 70s, they're now in their 70s and 80s, and it's just going to happen. But especially with the lifestyle that they enjoyed for those many, I guess, um, lost decades, is bound to catch up with you. Although Charlie, from what he looks like... He looked like he was okay. He was married to 57 years to the same woman, some, some chick named Shirley... Which we, we love that name, Shirley, of course. Well, yes, because Shirley has a deep meaning in our yeah. Yevonism household. So. So, but, so nonetheless, he, he looked like he was, as much as he was in the limelight, even though it was, it was in the back of the stage, he seemed to have a, a clear perspective. He didn't seem like he really indulged that much in that lifestyle. I could be wrong, but he hit it very well. Well, that's usually, well, think of it this way. We've had this conversation many times because, you know, you are a diehard 60s and 70s rock connoisseur in a way. You love that stuff and kind of listen sure. to it every day and all that other stuff. You got to imagine what that lifestyle is going to be like. Very lonely, going on the road every day for, I don't know, how many days out of the year? Uh, well, you think about it. You're on stage for like, like two hours maybe. Mm-hmm. What are you doing for the other 22 hours? Well... You're, you're, there's a lot of downtime, and a lot of those guys, you know, and a lot of guys in his band, you know, who's, who are known for partying to the level of excess of the gods. How are they? How has Keith Richards still walking the earth? They they call him the human cockroach. There's a there's a huge inside joke in our family, where where all these people are like dropping dead, and yet Keith Richards is still alive. You take like the most like happiest guy in the world. What, what's there was one guy I remember. Was it Wayne Dyer? Was that? Is yes. he still alive? No, he's dead. Oh yeah, no Wayne Dyer. Yes, uh, you know he's like the most like positive guy in the whole wide world. You know, looked like he was living a clean, um, sure, living a clean lifestyle. And then when he passed away, and we're like, and Keith Richards is still alive. Like, how is this possible? He's doing everything right. It's pretty much you know I guess some of the genetics, but the whole thing is he goes on and on. Look at look at Mick. He's still going. He's still kicking right now. Mick wants to go on tour so he can get new girlfriends, you know, and, and use his 80-year-old bodice on young women. Hey, hey, hey. By the way he acts, I'm like, he may look like he's 80, but, you know, deep down he's trying to act like he's, like, 44 years old. Well, the whole thing is, you know, I think they're living in that bubble where they're, they can't, they don't know any other life but that. So, but that's why the Charlie Watts kind of story, and also like a Paul McCartney, for instance, where he would take his wife on tour with him. That's another way to keep yourself honest. You know, if you if you bring your wife and your kids, then you're going to walk the straight and narrow. I was about to say, well, yeah. Well, you got to think of it this way. Having a wife and kids, you got to think smart. You got to think smartly because, you know, you still got a family and all that other mm-hmm. stuff. You don't want that lifestyle to take over you because... Exactly. Uh, and now, if you think about like Charlie Watts, people always say, "Well, what what was your favorite drumming by Charlie Watts?" And you know, obviously, you know his kind of drum playing was very solid, very very playing for the song. You know, he's you know you've had many different guys that came out around that time. You have John Bonham that was like a big force where you he went barrel through the song in many different tempos. And then you have like Keith Moon that was like explosive. Who he blew up his own drum set. I'm pretty sure. He he did. He put M80s in a in his bass drum and it exploded right in front of uh, Paul. I'm sorry, Pete, Pete Townsend's, Townsend's ears, and he lost some hearing because of that. Then you got 
you got a guy like uh, Charlie, and then the people say, well, what are your favorite Stone songs? You know, I'm trying to think, well, you think of like tunes like Satisfaction, you know, Hang Fire, I thought of, because there's a lot of nice drumming in there. And uh, Can't You Hear Me Knocking, of course. You know, I saw the Stones a couple of times. I saw them at Shea Stadium when there was a Shea Stadium. Yes. On the Steel Wheels tour with Living Color as the opening group. And they were great. I mean, they were, you know, for such a big stage show, they were fantastic. They were so good, in fact, I wondered if there was backing tracks. It was like, it was so good. Because, you know, live, anything can go on, you know. And then I saw them again in Philadelphia a couple of years later. So, the Bridges of Babylon tour. Really? Well... I'm learning something new every day. It's like, I love the Stones, but unfortunately, now that I'm a little bit older and they're a little bit old, or unfortunately, they are a little bit older, I feel like I'm not, I feel like I'm not going to get the same vibe as like they were back in the 80s, like when you, when you were around my age. Uh, the, the whole, the whole thing is they're, they're setting up a whole new tour and Charlie wasn't going to go on that tour anyway because he wasn't well after some undisclosed medical reason, which probably was what got him. So then you say, well, will the Stones continue to tour? And I, I say they probably will. They were anyway. You know, well, They're going to find a way. You know, they're one of those, like like you said, Mick Jagger is, or no, not Mick Jagger. Keith Richards is like a cockroach who's going to keep finding well, ways to try to get they, back in. They find so much joy in what they do. And it's an experience to see them. They're, they're iconic. And there's, there's less and less of that iconicness out there these days. Who You know, you think about the bands that I grew up with and... Not many of them are touring anymore, or they're not able to, or they're doing you know less. They just can't keep up with that kind of schedule. No, of course not. That's like it's it's like something that you do when you're a lot younger, obviously, because you got the uh, the stamina mm-hmm. for it. But then once, unfortunately, you get a little bit towards the oldness side. Well, backstage, the, you think of it this way: backstage now they have like um, they have holistic care back there, so now they probably have people giving them acupuncture and, and massages, and they're drinking smoothies. You mean green smoo- green smoothies with a little with, bit of collagen peptides to it? Yes, and Jack Daniels, because I because Jack goes with everything, as you know. Jack and smoothies. So you, <laughs> so what you're telling me is that I need to go to the liquor store right now and buy some Jack Daniels and put it in my smoothie with a protein shake. I think that well, I think tequila would work out better actually because it's it's more of a, a well, neutral. Well, it's not very. Uh, not very smoky or very uh, gritty like whiskey can be. So. Exactly. So, um, what else would you like to say about uh, you know uh, about this drumming business? The drumming business is like you know it is. When I was a lot younger, I wanted to learn how to play the guitar or maybe learn a little bit of the bass. We mm-hmm. had to, we had a bass. I thought about learning about it, but I remember one time just like sitting on a drum set and like you know like trying to learn how to do it. It is not easy, by the way. It looks easy. Like think of it this way. You ever go ice skating? It looks easy, but then you do it and you're like, this is not easy at all. Well, my my first instrument, and nobody knows this, that I used to play was actually the drums. But not really the drums. Who got you the drums? Nobody. I took my mother's Tupperware kit and I laid out the Tupperware kit like a drum set. And then I took her wooden spoons and I would hit them playing along to Kiss Alive. So basically... My first drum solo was the Peter Chris drum solos. So that was, but it didn't, you know, you weren't going to get a drum set in a small apartment in Brooklyn. So uh, somehow I went off into this guitar world. Did you wake up any of your neighbors on Avenue Z by any <laughs> chance? They probably didn't hear it because I was only playing Tupperware. It wasn't like a drum set, but nonetheless, and they were muffled by the couch. <laughs> yeah, drumming is a. One drummer I always kind of look up to is like is always it's always been Neil 
Neil Peart or Pert, whatever you want. Which is it called? Is it Neil Peart or Neil Pert? I believe it's Peart. I called him Pert for years, but I believe it's Peart. And then I got it from you. And then I got it from you. So I've been calling it Neil Pert. It's almost like calling it Euros or Gyros. We've been having this d issue with uh, naming of well, anything. You, you can go to a you can go to a Greek restaurant and you could say, "Give me a gyro, a gyro, or a gyro," and you're still gonna get it. But how do they say it? And does it really? No, matter? it doesn't matter. What the point is is that. You know exactly what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say, Neil Peart has been my guy. Rush, I love listening to Rush. There's just something about him that just knows exactly, like, he knows exactly, like, what he's doing all the time. Sure. Um, I I think uh, the whole Rush power trio, this is going off on a whole different tangent, but uh, what was such a strong instrumental journey where everyone really had to hold their own because there was no there was a lot there'd be a lot of empty space unless everyone got to be more chordal and textural as opposed to it'd be very empty otherwise that's why the fact that getty played the bass he played bass with his feet as well on the pedals and keyboards and sang all at the same time he's like the john paul jones of rush he was unbelievable the, and, the yeah. man that could do everything and think about Alex Lifeson, who is really so tremendously underrated. Would you say that he brings you life? He gets, <laughs> he gets, oh, that's, yeah, it's, that's very nice, yes. And that's what his son would say, I'm life's son, yes. Life son, life son. Think about his playing was very textural and chordal and very, I guess they, they're, they're, their songs were very tight to the fact that there was very little improv to them. You had to play to the letter, but where Alex got to go off was on his solos, where it was almost like a, like a duality, where his inner animal would come out on these yeah. very quirky, strange solos, which was very hard to duplicate. Oh yeah, of course. Well, the reason why I brought up Mr. Neil Peart is because he passed away last year, and that was like the first like. A lot of musicians have come and go, but there was something about him because I felt like I was getting like really connected to him, and his passing like really affected me. Almost like him, and of course, Mister Edward Van Halen. Uh, Edward, yeah, Edward Van Halen still has an impact. It's, and, it's been almost a year too since and, in October, and I, I still, I. The funny thing about it is, I knew mostly the David Lee Roth era of Eddie Van Halen because. That's stuff what I grew up with. And when, when Hager came into the band, I really didn't gel with that sound as much. But I found as in the last couple of months, I, I was hungering for more of Eddie. And as a result, it opened my mind to more of what Hager was doing and how the band, although, and when the singer changes, it changes the whole band. Oh, of course. I've... I've grown to like a lot more of that material and really can see the genius of Eddie in another way than just the first four or five albums. Well, of course, I mean, Eddie, I mean Van Halen, overall great band. The most of their stuff that you remember is definitely from their first like four or five albums. I mean, Van I Halen, Van Halen 2, I can name it all. Uh, ironically, Hager was in the band longer than Dave Lee Roth was, but... The impact was, well, think of it this way. The first couple albums was the good time, Southern California, hanging out. There, there was a tone, there was a whole new architecture being built with guitar playing. This, no one ever heard anything like this before, and this has been played out over and over, people saying this, but it turned everyone's head, including my own, where I'm going, what the hell is that? I've got to, 
I gotta put down those Tupperwares and and figure out how to play because guitar obviously spoke to me much more in in later years. So, but you know, not to be a clone of of someone, but to be influenced by heavily uh, influenced, as I like to call it, not replicate their work. Yes, but heavily influenced. Is it, is it heavenly influenced? Heavenly, heavenly influ- influenced. Well, now we're heavenly influenced by just we just <laughs> named a few uh, few uh, musicians over there that we talked about. I always remember Gary Moore, that one having a huge effect on you, too, when he it, passed away back in 2011. That was, well, the whole thing with Gary Moore is, he was one of the first guys that I, I really loved playing, listening to, because when Thin Lizzy came out, and there was that combination of adding that that Celtic, or you could say Celtic, I think it's Celtic tune, that he was very lyrical, but yet had fire his playing, but could play with emotion, or play very traditional all at the same time he kind of was a combination of a lot of different styles and there was something about that that really tapped into what i was trying to accomplish so it's like how can you play with feeling but you still play kind of flashy so there, there was a blues aspect there was kind of a medalist there was many different aspects of his playing that kind of melded together and what pissed me off about him dying he was only in his mid-50s and he died after, he was on vacation after, I think he drank a whole bottle of one thing or another, but this was something going on for many decades, as his face would show that when he played the blues, he meant it because he looked like he, his face went through a plate glass window. But, yeah, uh, things, happen, things happen, you know. So, but he's someone that kept trying to change his style. He went from being in blues bands to being in a rock band to being into hard rock, heavy metal-ish, then he went back to the blues, but... There was still a constant line of his style that kind of went through all those genres. You could still tell it was him. And that's one of the only guys you could actually listen to that, listen to a solo by that guy, go, that's Gary Moore. And now you could hear all the disciples of Gary Moore, all these guys trying to play like him, go, you know where he got that from. Oh, of course, yeah. Well, like you said, it's all about the influence. I mean, that was the whole thing about music back in the 60s and 70s. I'm like, well, unfortunately, you don't hear it that much anymore today because that's like everyone's like old time music and all that other stuff. It, will there be a resurgence? The thing is, yeah, the, the whole thing with guitar, you know, during COVID, there have been record amounts of sales of guitars being sold because people are stuck in the houses. Does that mean that there's going to be a resurgence of people actually putting out guitar-oriented music, or is it just for just for fun? And now that people can record at home on software, you theoretically don't need a record producer as long as you learn how to do some basic things. Yeah, well, I feel like in a day and age where guys are trying to find either ways to impress the ladies out there, they will go to the extent to try to do that, whether it's trying to pick up a guitar. Don't worry, I, that was that one of the reasons why I pick up guitars to pick up ladies. I actually wanted to learn how to play. I just it's, haven't played in a while. So Well, as a result, you know, you see all these YouTube videos and Instagram videos of all these guys that are playing unbelievable styles where very fast, a lot of a lot of like technique, but maybe too much flash at some points where there is there they've kind of lost sight of feeling for technique. And, you know, I think people are showing off and they're going, I could do all these, you know, sweeps and all these like crazy techniques. And and we, we all kind of get involved in that. I'm not going to say, you know, I, we haven't all played as fast as we possibly can and try. But there comes a point where, and I'm not saying I got there, you maybe you mature a little bit, then you, you take it back a little bit and you try to say something as opposed to just, just kind of musically masturbate all over the place. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's probably the best way to uh, explain 
what you just said, <laughs> said right there by the so, musical master. So coming back to Charlie Watts. <laughs> Charlie Watts, a guy who definitely did not do that, but anyway. I I will miss you, Charlie. Yes. Rest in peace, my friend. And uh, you've given the world a generation of, of great memories. Like a rolling stone. Oh, yes. It's... Uh, okay, well, we'll we'll leave it. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> I know, I know. I didn't mean to bring in a uh, Bob Dylan reference, but uh, well, actually, they they were named after a Muddy Waters song, Rolling like a Rolling Stone. Really? They became Rolling Stones, and and then Bob Dylan was around that time period. Well, yes, so. and Bob Dylan came around, and then he took it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny that you talked about uh, playing well. I know we're going to be shifting the subjects a little bit. I'm feeling a pinstriping segue at the moment. Well, I I figure I'm like saying myself, I'm like, hmm, how am I going to segue into this? Like, because originally I, I wanted to just talk about your music because I know how much you love it. You've been loving this stuff for pretty much your entire life and all that other stuff. But of course, you were like, oh, we could talk about the New York Yankees 11 game winning streak that they're on right now. (laughs) I. I, with my limited knowledge of baseball, I, I will interject as as possible. But I, I remember when we went to the game back in July third. The Yankees were sucking a, a big one, and the the Mets were killing. They were they scored eight runs in that they, game. They <laughs> scored like five. Run, they scored five runs in the sixth inning at one point. And uh, Taiwan Walker, who was pitching for the Mets, was actually throwing a no hitter at the time. And then, of course, Judge blew it with a, uh, a solo home run, and then they never came back. But the whole thing was, at that point in time, it looked very dismal for your boys from it looked, Bronx. It looked bleak. I literally wanted... Look, I don't want to be one of those fans that's been spoiled, you know, with the winning and all that other stuff. I tried to be the most logical Yankee fan possible because there's way too many people out there that mm-hmm. hate the Yankees. And one of the reasons why they hate the Yankees is their fans like me. So I'm trying to bring... A, so anyway... I wanted Aaron Boone fired. He had no idea what the hell was actually going on with this lineup. He had no idea what was going on with anything, by the way. But he's pushing the right buttons now. But what happened between then and there? When the Mets were on top in first place and... And now the Mets, uh, uh, they're, are in the, sw- they're swinging at balls that aren't even pitched yet, like my good friend Javier Baez. Javier Baez. <laughs> I have to say that, look, that move made absolutely no sense for them, honestly. If you really think about it, the Mets were in dire need of pitching because a guy named Jacob deGrom, who is not returning this season, most likely, you figured they'd be more focused on pitching. Now they have to face the freaking uh, Goliath out there in the Dodgers and the and the Giants for 13 games. Right. And they have been, first of all, they only won, like, I think, like, two games so far against those teams. Combined! What I say? He went from Cy Young to Cy Gone? Cy Young to Cy <laughs> Gone. He was probably going to be MVP this season. Well, I really I, think he had a chance to be an MVP. Yeah, well, that's how sports and life go. One, you know, it's one minute you're, you're doing really well, and the next minute you're... Uh, there's a little shift, and how do you shift back? You you want to talk about shift? The Yankees on July fourth were one game above 500 after not playing well against the Mets. They are currently 21 games above 500. They're on an 11 game winning streak. They are absolutely destroying their opponents. By the way, except for yesterday, they almost blew it. And I always said it, the first half Yankees probably would have blown yesterday's game. So what happened was, it was 5-3, Chapman comes in, uh, 
you know me, Chapman can sometimes be hit or miss kind of thing. It was a very, very bad miss. It got to the point where it was 5-4, the bases are loaded, they bring in the lefty. I'm like saying to myself, I'm like, okay, you know what, this game might be over. They either may win it or they may, when they may blow it, they blow it. Imagine the way they blew the games like they did last, or in the first half. But they kept the chops up. They got whatever happened. I guess now Aaron Boone is now um, your hero. He's been pushing the right. <laughs> I well, he has been pushing the right buttons lately. Brian Cashman made some great moves, by the way, at the trade deadline, mm-hmm. getting Anthony Rizzo, which I did not expect him to get, but he's been doing really well. And he brought in Joey Gallo, a nice another left-handed hitter that was in dire need of some left-handed hitting for once. They actually bring the balance, and they're actually kind of scary now, now that they have what, that balance. Was Rizzo supposed to go to the Red Sox? Rizzo was supposed to go to the Red Sox, yes. The Red Sox expressed major interest by the guy who actually drafted him, by the way. Then they traded mm-hmm. him to the Padres. The Yankees pulled an A-Rod move. They stole him from the Red Sox. And look at this. The Yankees right now, they've been winning, winning, winning. They've been playing right baseball. They actually been an exciting team for once, and the Red Sox going down and below. All right. Well, that, that's 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 good news. Good yes. news for for you Yankee fans. Yes. Yankees head to Oakland in a huge crucial series against the Oakland A's right now. Looking I, to continue. I would be up to get to another Yankees game for one major reason, of course. Twenty dollar pastrami sandwich. Twenty dollar pastrami sandwich. You remember when you were <laughs> chanting that at the ball game? That's all I had because they wanted sixteen bucks for a beer. And they wanted 20 bucks for a chicken nugget bucket, which I didn't want. So I just kept thinking in my head, okay, $20 pastrami okay. sandwich. Okay, let's be honest. I think pastrami was another thing. There was also more things on your mind. Maybe another. Was it shishka? Whatever you got. Kishka. Kishka from the, uh, from uh, what place did we go? Kishka. Well, first of all, <laughs> yeah. people don't even know what kishka is. That's like a, a delicacy where they take, an, an, I think, an intestine of an animal and they stuff it with all kinds of stuff. That's what it's called. Stuffed derma. Stuffed skin. Yes. With some gravy on it. That with beautiful pastrami and corned beef and a beautiful rye and some french fries and a Dr. Brown soda, baby. That's what what we're talking about. What flavor? I got the cherry. The black (laughs) cherry. But you can go with... They have celery... And they have another one. What's the other one they have that I really like? Cream. You took. You kind of took my <laughs> Dr. Brown's uh, virginity, by the way. That was the first time I've ever had it. So. So, doc, so you got to meet the doctor intimately? Is that what you're telling me? Pretty much, yeah. And uh, it was a nice first time. That's all I can say. <laughs> and you, are you ready to go back for, for another uh, appointment, another uh, look-see? Well, i got to take a look at the schedule because I definitely want to go, maybe try to go to another Yankee game before the season's end. Okay, well, we'll make sure it's on a day that the deli is open because that's you know, the only way I'm going to get to a game is if there's other things that you know that that are food oriented afterwards. Hey, just remember this, okay? If it did pour that game, you did say you were willing to drive to Manhattan across the Williamsburg Bridge to a nice place on Houston Street. So. I I would have gone there. I would have gone to Katz's Deli and Yona Schimmel's Knishes. Yona Schimmel. Yona Schimmel. That's uh. That's a place that's been there probably since the 1920s or so, and they have these giant knishes, which are just unbelievable. Mm, I do like a nice giant knish. You know, Katz's Deli was in a dream yesterday that I had. Tell me more. Well, <laughs> I was a dream. I, well, here's the thing. I woke up at six. Th- <laughs> I woke up at six o'clock in the morning to uh, to use the restroom. Yes. And then we talked briefly. And then I went back to sleep. I remember. You woke up your sister, by the way, with that conversation. Yeah, I know. She was not very happy. Your voice went about. right through the walls. It was 6 a.m. She always wakes up at around that time, too. 
She can go to bed at like three o'clock in the morning and still wake up at six. But anyway, the point is, is that I went to, I went back to sleep. I remember, I'm like, why am I in Katz's Deli, by the way? And I had my computer here, and I was doing my work. I'm right. like, I'm like, why am I doing my work at a, at a, um, a deli? deli? Because two of the best things I love, pastrami <laughs> and baseball, just happens to be in the same place. So, they're all, you know, it's 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 the essence of New York. Yeah, you got good baseball and and good kosher deli and good pizza, which we'll talk about another time. I was about to say, I was thinking about doing a pizza episode because. And then I was watching more of uh, Barstool's pizza reviews. I'm like, okay. Well, the whole thing is, I'm not going to do a pizza review without pizza in front of me. So no. if we want to take this show on the road, go a find a pizza. A vlog. And we'll go talk about pizza, because uh, pizza is something that's very... It's a staple here it, in the Yevon household. It's, it's very close to my heart, but it has to be the right kind of pizza. I'm not going to just go for regular pizza. This has to be amazing, unbelievable, a combination of, of the... Of dough and cheese and sauce. It's any any schmuck could put together a couple of things and call it pizza like they do out here. But you gotta you you gotta you gotta do your research. You gotta find no. the right kind of pizza. Not all Connecticut pizza is bad. You gotta head down I ninety one towards the staple, by the way, in a very, very small town called the Haven of the New. The New Haven. The New Haven. Which yes. by the way, would you expect a place called New Haven to have a haven for pizza? That's where they went, man. They they started uh they, they started this whole thing over there and uh they, they put New York on notice. So, yeah, they put New they put New York on the uh on the uh But did you hear where the number one pizza in the country is? Is it Frank Pepe's? It's like Oregon. Or what? Yeah, it's Say pretty- that say that again. Oregon. Why Oregon? <laughs> Who freaking knows? But you know, everyone's come up with artisanal pizza and all kinds of No, 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 no artisanal pizza. Artisanal pizza? What they got? What are they putting on these pizzas? Well the whole thing is I yeah, we grew up and there wasn't all these different kinds of pizzas. And you gotta you and the whole thing is up to you to decide how many toppings still constitute what a pizza is. Don't hate on the mashed potato pizza, by the way. I love mashed potatoes pizza. I love that with with a, a little bit of pancetta. A little bacon. A lot of bacon, actually, too. So, uh, But anyway, that could be another conversation that for could... another day. So what's the name of our new show now? Stairway to Yevin. Stairway to Yevin. Uh, are we liking it? Tell us what you think. Tell us what you think. Comment, like, subscribe. You can listen to us to any podcast platform you choose. Spotify. And if, and if there are topics you want us to cover and to talk about... Write, you know, um, write something down. Let, let me know. You know yes, I know. We'll, we are always open to talking about a lot of things. Because we'll keep talking. We can keep on talking right now, but we're approaching the 31-minute mark. Because it's the stream of Yevon, and this is where all the, um, I guess, the attention span has run out. And now, you, uh, now you're looking at your likes on something else. So, okay, thanks. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you. Stick around for next week on another episode of Stairway to Yevon. <laughs> Have a good one, everyone. We will see you next week. Give us a listen.